Welcome to Corizant Technologies, home of the Digital Executive Podcast. Welcome to the Digital Executive. Today's guest is Dr. Sanaz Cordes. Dr. Sanaz Cordes has over 18 years of healthcare and health tech executive leadership with a proven track record of building and scaling healthcare technology companies. She is currently a chief healthcare advisor for Worldwide Technology, where she helps enterprise healthcare organizations solve complex business problems by optimizing technology and process. She is a serial entrepreneur who has launched and led several digital health startups. Her most recent role was CEO of Dotcom Therapy, and prior to that, she served as Chief Operations and Commercial Officer for Health Finch and the founder and principal of Value Prop Shop, a consulting firm that worked with dozens of healthcare startups from idea stage to acquisition. Well, good afternoon, Dr. Cordes. Welcome to the show. Hi, good afternoon. Thanks for having me. Awesome. So, Dr. Cordes, I appreciate you being on the show today. And, and the big thing seems like the last two to three months worth of podcast, we've been focused on this COVID topic, but I can't seem to get enough physicians on here. So I'm glad to have you. And uh, we're going to kind of go through some things. I'm sure this will be really timely for our readers. So thank you. So, Dr. Cordes, we've been talking on and off the last few months, and you really jumped into uh, an interesting career. I'm a healthcare on the technology side for 25 years, but I noticed you jumped in as a pediatrician, as a physician, and then you went into that startup world. Could you maybe give us a little background on what drives you to be in this great field of health tech? Yeah, absolutely. And, you know, it's fun because I sort of did this a while back, you know, when it wasn't quite as common to see physicians sort of crossing over into tech and into innovation. And I remember just, you know, having folks constantly ask me, you know, are, are you sure about what you're doing here? And, you know, all of your sanity and intact. And although that was questioned by myself as well throughout the path, um, it's been a really fun ride. You know, the transition initially came, I was a medical director for Providence Health and was seeing patients, as you mentioned, as a pediatrician. And, you know, the EHR coming onto the scene and the additional clicking and some of the physician dissatisfaction and the workflow disruption really had an impact on me and really got me thinking, you know, are there ways that we can now improve on this? You know, we're not going to basically build an iPhone and never create any apps for it. You know, we need to start thinking about what's next so that we can put this technology to work, you know, for the users and not the other way around. So, yeah, I made the leap over to health tech really with that mission and that passion and worked at some larger organizations, learned a lot on the product side, the commercial side, saw some good things being built over that four to five year span. But the startup interest really happened when I sort of came to the conclusion that change probably wasn't going to happen fast enough back then in the larger corporate settings and startups just might be the solution that you know we're looking for. So yeah, I made the shift in 2012 um, and spent about eight years in the startup space, either founder or you know co-founder or in a executive position or an investor in several digital health startups since then. And now I have the fortune to be able to take that startup DNA and really get to be an entrepreneur in my role at Worldwide Technology because we're a large 6,500 employee international tech firm that really has an appetite and support for entrepreneurship in the healthcare space. So we're really working actively, you know, in that space right now. So that's my kind of roundabout career path that led me here today. That's amazing. You know, it's funny, Dr. Cordes, several years ago, it was in the U.S. News and World Report. It listed like the top most, I think, stressful jobs, but they were also interesting jobs. But 
the top two was one was healthcare and one was technology. So it is a exciting career, but can be stressful as you know. So thanks for joining the, I guess, moving to the dark side on that, <laughs> as, <laughs> yeah. as they call technology. I'm, I'm a techno geek by trade. So Dr. Cordes, so this is a big thing that comes up. And I, I've worked in hospital settings and outpatient facilities, community health. And I talk to physicians all the time. And they have a lot of administrative requirements on top of their patient care load, right? Where do you think healthcare needs to focus specifically when it comes to technology to help reduce this physician burnout? And you actually hit the nail on the head going back to our you know, first discussion. That's really what happened, right? Physician burnout. And fast forward 12 years later, I wish I could say we've solved that problem. We've moved the needle on it, I think, quite a bit, but it is still probably you know, one of the top two challenges that we see in our space. And really, I come back to, you know, the EHR is a great start. It's a data repository. You know, it started out as a billing tool. It's become more than that, which is great. But workflow automation, you know, workflow enablement, simplification of workflows, that's really where we need to continue to invest and figure out ways to, you know, to take some of this burden off of our practitioners. And really the concept of top of license work, I mean, that's something that I've been very passionate about. If we can put a piece of technology in place to do a routine repeatable task, you know, refill automation, for example, in my first startups I was involved with, we can shave up to 30 minutes a day off of that physician's day, you know, and they're spending time over a hundred different inbound messages coming into their inbox. If we can save them 30 minutes on just that one little piece of their workflow, we could make a huge difference. So I think there is still a lot of room in the workflow automation space. And I'm constantly, you know, excited and then looking at these different startups that are coming up with more inventive and disruptive ways to get in there and take some of this, you know, work off of the provider's plates. That's awesome. And I appreciate you again, as I mentioned earlier, switching to the dark side, to the technology side. I appreciate that because having a physician or medical provider helping develop these solutions is going to be much more beneficial for the people that are in the trenches and providing the health care to our patients. So thank you. So Dr. Cordes, what's the focus right now around technologies? I'm sure telehealth, predictive analytics are in that mix, but I'd like to hear your, your thoughts, uh, especially working at a very large technology company. Yeah, it's, it's really been an interesting time. You know, these last three months, I think the one thing we've all learned is that we are capable of moving mountains when we are asked to, and there's really no alternative. And I think health systems have, you know, surprised themselves to see that, you know, wow, we can really move quickly because they've had to in response to the pandemic. So absolutely, telehealth has been top of mind. We have conversations. I have conversations, you know, several times a week with health system CMIOs, CIOs, and everyone is ramping up, building some cases from scratch, and in other cases, ramping up their telehealth Piece. And what's really become clear to me, though, is it's it's beyond telehealth, right? Like that's a term that we've all heard and we were working on. There were project roadmaps for all these systems the last few years, but it's really virtual care. And what we are seeing and helping folks do is, you know, how much of this work can we now make a consumer-centric experience? You know, patients are consumers of healthcare. They are going through a very scary time. They want contactless support. They're used to their Wayfair and Amazon apps. You know, they would like the same level of convenience and care from their health providers. So things like chatbots or, you know, being able to come in and do some self-entered data to triage whether or not you need to be seen or is this something that could, you know, send you to a pathway to get some, you know, education, tying that telehealth experience into this virtual pathway. So coming in through a portal, answering a few questions, and then being given the option to immediately 
immediately schedule your appointment, immediately see an urgent televisit provider, maybe even do a secure messaging, you know, asynchronous telemed encounter. So I would say that is still definitely top of mind. And I would put all that under the bucket of virtual care. And then consumer centric, you know, the digital front door, which I just sort of mentioned that used to be something that it was like a what if, you know, what if we could come in and we could book our appointments and, you know, my car dealer, you know, texts me when it's time for an oil change, you know, why don't I get a text when it's time to go get, you know, my annual physical. So that was a what if, and now it's become a reality. And in some cases, just impressive applications being built by organizations like St. Jude Hospital and others, where it's truly this consumer app that gives them a, a superior experience. So there's a lot of focus on that. And then I would say IoT, just continues to find its place in healthcare and expand rapidly. We have an aging population. You know, they consume 80% of the healthcare uses and dollars and being able to do things like remote monitoring of chronic diseases from their devices, their blood pressure cuffs, their glucose monitors. We're seeing a lot of organizations investing in that because the return on that to really be able to turn what has, you know, traditionally been a reactive process. Healthcare is reactive, right? You get sick, somebody reacts to it. To a proactive process, we're actually preventing these folks from getting sick and coming in. That's definitely an area. So I'd say, you know, those are those are probably the top three right now that these last couple of months, the conversations have heavily focused on. Thanks for sharing that. I've had several companies, both mature companies and startups, that have shared some of the new innovative products that they are coming up with to you've heard the contact tracing, right? So in fact, I have another podcast coming up with another healthcare company here next week. And it's amazing where either some of this technology was there, but it was sitting, sitting on a shelf, maybe getting dusty, right? But now things are coming out and in the middle of this economic crisis, some of these companies are really doing well. Unfortunately, not everybody's reaping the awards that some of these companies are, but it's amazing that all these technologies are now, it just goes to show you, I guess, is the human spirit we become very innovative when the pressure's on. And I think that's pretty cool. Pretty cool. Absolutely. And, you know, to that point, I think what I'm really kind of proud of that we're able to do at WWT just with our resources, and this is just, you know, an aside because I just am passionate about the importance of this is like you said, you know, when we have to move quickly, (laughs) when you have to make decisions quickly, you know, four months ago, people didn't even think about contact tracing or thermal cameras or human-based monitoring of, you know, distance ratios and things. And now suddenly there's vendors popping up from all over the place, right? Saying that this camera can do that or this device. And so, yeah, we've been really heavily working in that space, vetting, you know, dozens of these different solutions and kind of putting them together to truly have our clients think about the long-term, right? This is the problem we have today, but how can this platform serve you? Because I I truly think we're not going to go back, right? Ever to the way things used to be, quote unquote, there's going to be a new shift. And so you're right, you know, these things are popping up, they're useful. And I think just proceeding with caution and really making sure that the things that you invest in, much like the EHR 15 years ago, that, you know, you're going to be married to it for a while. So it's worth taking some time to invest in that. Absolutely. Yeah, this is just interesting times. So Dr. Cordes, we're at the point of our podcast here where everybody, the audience here wants to understand a little bit more about you. Can you maybe you share a nugget of wisdom on your success as a physician and entrepreneur and and what can people expect if they were taking one of these career paths or maybe both in your case? 
Yeah, absolutely. You know, I, I had a startup between the two software startups that I worked with that we actually worked with dozens of startups to help them be successful. It was called Value Prop Shop. And I think we had nearly 30 clients during those 30 years that were all in the digital health space. And, you know, I learned a lot, not just from being an entrepreneur and an investor, but with working with so many. And from that, sort of this recipe emerged and it's really basic, but I think when you kind of spell it out and write it down and whiteboard it, people kind of have a ah moment where that kind of comes together, but it's really having a value proposition that's, you know, tied to a business. And I know that sounds strange in healthcare, but anything we build in healthcare, obviously is going to improve quality. That's what we're all focused on. Patient quality of care absolutely goes without say. When you're ready to actually sell something, when you're trying to get the attention of that CMIO that has a hundred other, you know, prospecting emails in their inbox, it's important to make sure that you can really articulately define what is the problem that you're solving. And it has to be a problem that's hitting a large enough market, an addressable market where it's worth the investment for your company to exist and to build it. So what is the problem that you're solving? Why is it a problem for that particular decision maker? What is it costing that decision maker not to solve the problem? I think a lot of health systems hadn't been thinking about it that way. And when you kind of come in and say, hey, by automating your lab reviews, we can save you, you know, two FTEs per year uh, worth of time so that you know, those nurses can do top of license work, then it starts to resonate. So what's the problem you're solving? Why is it a problem? What's it costing them not to solve it? So I think those three pieces are really key. And it sounds simple, but we've worked with so many startups where that kind of got missed amongst the, you know, amidst the beginning of all the excitement of sort of launching. So I'd say that's really important. Building it with a customer, I think is key. Obviously you want a minimal viable product that you can get out there and test, but I see a lot of folks run into trouble where they build a Ferrari and then they take it out for someone to drive for the first time and it doesn't, right? So you want to make sure you're building it. If it's a nurse that's going to use it, build it with a nurse, understand their workflows, let them give you feedback. But then on the other extreme, once you kind of have that down and you know that this 80-20 rule of this is going to help, 80% of the workflow of these end users don't become a dev shop. You know, don't chase shiny objects because, you know, there's potential opportunity here and we're going to pivot our product and tech roadmap to meet it. That doesn't end well, usually. So have a product roadmap, try your best to stay with it. Obviously, as a startup, you'll be some, you know, adapting and, and moving around and being nimble, but try to stick with it to avoid that sort of cycle of becoming a dev shop. I'd say those are my lessons learned, you know, along the way. So hopefully other people might find some of that useful. No, absolutely. And there's a lot of health startups, as you know, health technology startups as well. And I think what we talked about today will certainly resonate with our readership. I've got a lot of entrepreneurs and physicians, and I have physician entrepreneurs as well that I've had on the podcast. So this is exciting. Dr. Cordes, I appreciate you sharing that. And lastly, I'd just like to say from the bottom of my heart, thank you very much for being on the show today. And I look forward to speaking with you real soon. Yeah, thanks so much for having me. It was really a pleasure. And yeah, I look forward to, to continuing to connect and good luck to everyone out there on your, on your startup goals or whatever you're pursuing in healthcare. And thank you for doing that. You bet. Bye for now.